Welcome to the Sugar by Half podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Villato, a certified nutrition, health, and run coach and educator. Today, we are joined by Dr. Avi Charlton. Dr. Avi has been a GP for 20 years. The past few years have seen her interest in nutrition and the treatment of obesity and metabolic syndrome flourish. She has done extensive education with Low Carb Den Under and Nutrition Network. She is affiliated with Diet Doctor as a Diet Doctor Pro Practitioner. She has done additional training with the Australasian College of Nutrition and Environmental Medicine. She has treated many patients for weight management and helped them lose weight, improve nutrition, and even reverse metabolic syndrome and diabetes. She has extensive knowledge using the low-carbohydrate approach. She practices low-carb nutrition herself and has recently opened her own Melbourne low-carb clinic where people can book in with her. Dr. Avi, thank you for joining us today. Hello. Thanks for having me, Daniel. Thanks, Avi. Are you able to start by telling us about your journey? Yeah, so my uh, journey is a bit a bit different and a bit special. So I started off with a, um, a few years ago, I wanted to lose a bit of weight after having babies. So my kids are now 10 and 13. Um, so about five or six years ago, I wanted to lose weight. And um, so I started going to the gym, as a lot of people do, then uh, did weights and training for about three times a week. After two or three months, nothing happened. So um, I joined a body transformation challenge with the gym just because I wanted to try something fun and different. And um, the trainer had me measuring food and put food on the scale to measure high protein, low carbohydrate and a bit of fat. And um, after two months, I lost four kilos, 4% body fat. And that's pretty much all I wanted to lose. So I was pretty happy with that. And I looked into low carbohydrate nutrition. I did some more studying. I did a weekend course run by Low Carb Down Under, run for doctors and uh, did a few talks on how to um, practice low carb as a doctor. Then I um, did more learning nutrition network and uh, looked at books, read some more books and um, started to network with a few people in the community. And um, about three years ago, I wanted to set up my own uh, work. My usual general practice, I would ask people to participate in my low-carb program and um, good results. A lot of people lose weight and they gain health and they feel better, get more energy, get rid of brain fog, and um, they feel better in themselves. And um, so I keep looking, keep reading more books, and I did more Nutrition Network and um, ACNAM, which is Australasian College of Nutrition and Environmental Medicine. And um, a couple of months ago, I woke up and I told the husband, I said, oh, this 10-minute quick medicine bot billing is um, too quick and I can't get through my message across. I can't really talk, not enough pay, uh, time to talk to patients about nutrition and lifestyle. So I asked my friends and got some more ideas and I decided to set up my own clinic. So about five weeks ago, we started this clinic. It's only the beginning. We started about one, we're only one day a week, 
but um, I provide longer consultations, 30 minutes or 45 minutes consultation with a thorough um, nutrition plan and talk about lifestyle, sleep, exercise, try to improve patients' lifestyle to improve their health and improve their uh, metabolic disease and um, getting much better rewards. Yeah, so then um, a week or two ago, I've started to do some, uh, plan some online courses. And um, a couple of days ago, I just launched my first e-course. It's, uh, it's a free course first, a very quick first e-course on low-carb nutrition. And um, hopefully that'll help to spread the word on low-carb. Yeah, so pretty good, pretty amazing journey. <laughs> And on that, and great work on the uh, e-course. We might tag that up in the show notes later on, so people can have a look and click on the links. You just mentioned then about you know you spoke to your husband about ten minutes not being enough, mm-hmm. um, you know, which is fantastic that you want to engage with the clients and really understand them and, and help them out. How have you found the transition to low carb, especially after everything you were taught in university during your medical degree? Yeah, we were never taught about anything like this in medical school. So we're always taught about how to manage acute medicine, chest pains, cancers, and make sure it's nothing serious or strokes. But we were never taught about lifestyle medicine. Nobody taught us about nutrition, maybe a very brief talks. Nobody talks about sleep or exercise. So it's... Uh, big transition and like five years ago I wasn't talking about any of this and now I've learned this is the most important thing in um, in uh, general practice. Everything is related to lifestyle disease and poor nutrition leads us to poor metabolic health and I've come to understand this is very, very important. Hmm. So you're trying to you know, have a holistic approach there. What does the Melbourne Low Carb Clinic offer that you've just started? Yeah, so um, we offer consultations, so uh, longer consultations, 45 minutes or 30 minutes, and a review can be 15 minutes. So we do um, uh, face-to-face consultation. People can come to Wonturna to see me, and I offer telehealth to Australia-wide, uh, any, anyone in Australia, the problem with Australia-wide telehealth consultation is Medicare won't be providing rebates if the patient hasn't come, but there's still many patients that take up the offer. So even if it's telehealth, I can still do motivation talking, get a good history of where the patient is at, meet them where they're at and see what is holding them back, what they need, get some coaching. I can organise blood tests. I can provide ongoing checkup. Sometimes it's just a matter of booking the next appointment in three or four weeks' time and having that appointment, that's what the patient needs to keep accountable. And um, so most of the time I see you, get some tests and book another appointment. And um, because the patient has that all lined up and... um, then that's what it's needed. I provide unlimited email, so patients can email me if there's anything, any questions or anything stuck. I provide handouts and there's a Dropbox folder with lots of resources that people can click on 
um, with uh, uh, accumulation of documents that they can go to. Um, I also provide a low-carb library, so people, friends, or even not patients can come in and drop by and uh, borrow some books, low-carb books, if they want to borrow to have a read and they're not sure they want to buy. And um, as I said, we provide e-courses now, so just a free one first, and then I'm going to set up a four-week course and an eight-week course next year. And I'm thinking of also next year do some more face-to-face uh, -face conferences. So uh, last week I organised a free info night at the clinic. Um, there was about 50 people coming in and learned from four of us, uh, health coaches and nutritionists and myself. And I'm hoping next year in February I'll have another uh, a conference talk for uh, like a day to get some people to come and talk and share experiences and provide a a community for people to share their uh, experiences. Yeah, so very exciting times. I'm very excited to plan all this. That sounds fantastic and well done for, you know, making it available to everyone in Australia and for those who are local, definitely um, check out the clinic and, and get in there while you can. Your logo for the Melbourne Low Carb Clinic means obesity and type 2 diabetes can be reversed, which is a light bulb moment. What are patients' reactions to this when you tell them it can all be done by nutrition. Yeah, most people are quite amazed that um, nobody tells them about that. And um, sometimes they see lots of doctors and they get put on many medications and nobody tells them that um, eating well and improving their nutrition can help to control the diabetes and obesity. Quite often the doctors tell them with obesity you need to eat less and exercise more. But um, I believe it's a matter of eating the right food and, um, and doing the right exercises. And um, with type 2 diabetes, quite often nobody tells them that the uh, carbohydrates become sugar. So they are told to not eat sugar, but nobody says that you should avoid the carbs as well. So they just eat the rice and the bread and chips and potatoes, and they don't even know that it's doing them bad. So, but um, I think it's just a light bulb moment. If you realise and understand that, then you can reverse all these chronic conditions. Yeah, it's just like when they say, you know, swap the uh, white bread for the brown and, and you'll be better off. But, yeah, it's process the same, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, that's um, right, yes. What are key blood tests you ask patients to undertake when seeing you? Yeah, so um, sometimes they bring in blood tests. Sometimes I order them. Um, most of the time it's just a basic panel of blood tests to check their metabolic profile. So I organise cholesterol and check their cholesterol, triglyceride, HDL, LDL, um, their fasting glucose, and um, I check the HbA1c to see where they're at in terms of if they're close to diabetes or not. And I also check um, inflammatory markers like CRP. If they're high in CRP, then it tells me that there's something going on or a chronic inflammation. Quite often, just with obesity and diabetes, they've got some form of an inflammation. And I now routinely check fasting insulin as well, which a lot of doctors aren't familiar with. So the fasting insulin tells us 
if there's much signs of insulin resistance. And I think incorporating the whole picture, looking at all the whole profile as well as the patient and their health and the whole body, we can get an idea of how good or not good their metabolic health is and that's what we try to aim to improve. So all this um, learning in the last few years have taken me to learn all these new things that, that, that I practice differently now compared to five years ago. Yeah, very rewarding practice now. Just mentioned cholesterol. Um, now how often do patients question you on cholesterol and what are some key markers you find when people go low carb in terms of cholesterol? Yeah, most people still worry about cholesterol because we've been taught that cholesterol will block your arteries and I up and then their cholesterol goes up and they get worried. So I try to explain to them that um, I've come to learn that cholesterol, the total cholesterol isn't a, a worry. It's more the triglyceride. So if there's a high triglyceride, more than one or 1.5 um, that's more of a worry and if the ratio between the triglyceride and the HDL is so if the triglyceride is higher than the HDL then again that's more of a worry so I'm trying to steer people away from the worries of cholesterol rather than the ratios of HDL and triglyceride and I myself going low carb actually my cholesterol is actually tremendously high at nine so <laughs> and my ldl is very very high at six but my triglycerides very low i think it's 0.6 or 0.7 and my hdl is up to two so i actually wrote it on my website and i try to reassure people that um, i'm not worried then about cholesterol of nine and i'm not taking a cholesterol tablet considering i haven't had a heart attack before and we can also do some tests to see if there's any signs of blocked arteries. So there's a lot of things we can look at to see where your metabolic health is. Yeah. yeah. Thanks for sharing that. So with your triglycerides, you know, you mentioned there under 1.5 is what we're after. And we're looking at the um, triglyceride to HDL ratio yes. is, is more crucial than our total cholesterol. You also mentioned LDL um, and, you know, with probably a lot of people with low carb might, may have experienced this where their LDL increases. Um, can you maybe share a little bit about the breakdown of LDL and you know, the difference between the small particles and the large fluffy ones and, and how that can potentially be analysed and, and what that means for the, the patient? Yeah, yeah. So I didn't know anything about this until about three years ago and it took me a while to understand that. I watched the um, Dr. Paul Mason's video over and over again before I understand about LDLs. So what happens is with the LDL is there's different types of LDLs. There's a bigger, fluffier type of LDLs called type one and two. And then there's the, the smaller, small dense ones called LDL four, five, six, seven. So if, so when you go low carb, quite often the LDL that is in the system is um, the big fluffy type one and type two. And um, that's actually quite benign and it's not of worry and they're quite safe. They don't tend to cause any uh, blocked arteries. 
And um, the more the LDLs hang around and if there's things that oxidizes them, they can become small and dense. So imagine the LDLs become uh, rusty and the bad things comes along and oxidizes them. For example, sugar and um, uh, smoking or pollution or chemicals or um, processed foods that comes along and makes them small and dense and oxidized. And uh, so these small dense LDLs are the ones that can uh, cause blocked arteries and uh, they are quite inflammatory and um, harmful. So we can now do a test called LDL subfraction and I routinely order it for people now if they uh, if they request it, I offer it to people and quite a lot of people take it up. So it's about a hundred, it used to be $180, now it's gone cheaper, about 110 um, you get a blood test sent to a special pathology lab and then they will turn out a pretty picture of what your LDLs is predominantly. So if you're big, fluffy LDLs type 1 and 2 predominantly, then it's um, quite reassuring. Then um, it's quite safe. I think there's no need to fear. Thank you. So that's, you know, that test is obviously really um, easily available for patients is going to ask the doctor is that correct well <laughs> most doctors wouldn't organize it because if they don't know how to interpret it they wouldn't know they, they don't usually like to organize it so you really need a doctor who knows how to interpret it to organize it so I'm very happy to organize it for people if they want to just see me to have the test they're most welcome to <laughs> Yeah, perfect. Book in with uh, Dr. Avian, get those tests done. Mm -hmm. Excellent. What lifestyle pillars do you advocate for? Yeah, so I routinely talk about lifestyle to people, like nutrition is a big one. Um, so that's the most important one. I also talk about exercise and uh, so strength training will be fantastic and a combination of cardiovascular and strength training will be the best. I also talk about sleep. They need to optimize the sleep, have a good sleep routine and allow themselves at least six, seven, even eight hours sleep at night. That's ideal. And uh, stress is also big. So some people have lots of stress going on, then that can actually make them put on weight and cause lots of inflammation. So trying to manage stress is quite important. Like, um, trying to change the mindset and not be affected by what's going on or try to do some meditation. Sometimes it's easier said than done, but sometimes being more mindful of what's happening to the stress, to your body's stress response is very important. And um, then there's addiction. So some people have addictions going on like alcohol or sugar or uh, smoking or even screen addiction. So managing these addictions is a big pillar of improving your lifestyle. So these are the six pillars that I try to talk to my patients. And when they, when my patients come in, I would draw a plan on how to tackle each of these pillars of their lifestyle. Sometimes they're good at one pillar and not good at another. And um, I try to set up a plan on how to improve some of them. Mm. 
And just an exercise, like I know you, you know, with uh, your running, you're, you're doing very well. And we can just see in the, in the background there, your, your little home gym set up, which is fantastic. Can you maybe share, you know, what exercise looks like for you in terms of your cardio and your strength work? Okay, so I um, uh, a very routine in my exercise. So I plan my, my week and um, I try to stick to the routine. So I tend to run four times a week, quite a lot of easy runs. Sometimes it's a interval running, like a quick run and uh, alternating with slow, easy jogging as a recovery. Oh. And um, I go to park run every Saturday, which I love the community, love seeing my friends. And I do a long run on Sundays, which usually it's like 12 or 15 or up to 18 kilometres, which I quite enjoy. Put a podcast on and and uh, it's a meditation session. So I get four running sessions a week and then I do one or two strength training at home. So I've got my home gym. I love my the gym that I used to go to, but I spend too much money on learning education courses with the with the doctors. So I didn't join the gym anymore because with COVID, I've set up my home gym. So I do my weights at home and listen to podcasts at the same time. Again, it's quite relaxing, and I get up and the kids not up yet. I love my own time. It's quite relaxing. <laughs> yeah very good to get your own time when you got the uh two kids definitely um whatever time you can get will definitely be a meditation session for you so right on those efforts that's excellent and yeah with the uh, the home gym stuff it's that's well done as well in the comfort of your home so congratulations on the work you're doing with that just one question i want to ask i haven't actually uh prepped you on this one but in terms of just seeing you on social media um the last couple of weeks you've experimented with a, a glucose monitor can you maybe just share you know what you're doing with that and some of the findings and and how you found that so far yeah yeah sure so i decided to buy my own glucose continuous glucose meter just for fun because i don't know much about it and i thought oh it'll be a good experience so i went on the website called Freestyle Libra, and I put in an order. I paid about $99, including postage, and I thought, all oh, this is a good experience for me to learn how to get this device and teach patients how, I, how they can get this device as a learning exercise. So it didn't take about a week, and it was posted to my home. Um, so I picked a more relaxing week and I put on the glucose meter. So I'm about day 10 into the glucose meter. So it's all a very interesting learning experience on post response. I found that um, uh, with eating certain foods, certainly it brings it up. So I tried a couple of days, I try to eat more standard Australian diet foods just to see what my body's glucose response was. So I had some quick oats and it certainly shot up, my glucose shot up um, quite high. I can't remember the exact number, but maybe nine or 10 and it was quite high. Then I had a couple of slices of bread with uh, some meat for lunch and that glucose response actually lasted for 
maybe a couple of hours. So it took a long time for that glucose to come down. And then I had spaghetti bolognese for dinner and that again <laughs> spiked up really high. So um, it's very interesting that it's not a very um, unhealthy dinner that the normal people would say. It's a pretty standard diet that day, but certainly spiked up a lot of glucose response. And then the other days I stayed low carb and my glucose was just plain flat. And then when I go running, the sugar actually shot up really high to like 13, 14. And I listened to a few podcasts and last night I listened to Casey, um, Casey Means is a doctor in America who prescribes these CGMs to her patients. And she said it's quite normal if you're exercising, running or doing strength training for the glucose to go really high. It's actually a normal physiological response. So there's no need to fear that. And the, the muscle actually primes the, the glucose and is ready to take up all this glucose that are dumped by the liver. So it's all very normal, especially because I exercise fast at this no breakfast before the exercise, the, the liver is ready to pump all the glucose out and um, insulin doesn't even need to come in to bring those glucose down and the muscle takes it all up. So it's, the body is very amazing. So even though I have high glucose response, doesn't mean that um, I it's uh, any danger. And I actually did a blood test today because I decided to fast and I got my blood taken for HBA1C and CRP and fasting insulin. So <laughs> just a coincidence that I decided to get my fasting bloods and your fasting bloods from the work. So I'll let you know in a few days what it is. <laughs> Excellent experiment. And I think it's you know, really good for people to see you know, the impact that those foods have and you know, probably encourage anyone who's doubting whether you know low carb works or how the effect on blood sugar if they can get their that, um, glucose monitor it's definitely worth it and just to see the impacts especially when it's you know so instantaneous when you see it you're eating and your your levels are skyrocketing so uh, well done mm. on that experiment that's, that's really really good yeah, yeah what does a um a typical day of eating look like for you and i know you've got you know two two young kids as well so how do you go trying to manage yourself and yeah you know, the family and the kids and how does that look like for you okay so um a typical day uh sometimes i eat breakfast sometimes i don't so this morning i didn't if i eat breakfast i would eat three eggs like an omelet with cheese crusted that's my typical breakfast sometimes i have a chia seed uh, pudding or a chia seed porridge with um, chia seeds and coconut milk and maybe some berries. So then I'm usually pretty happy until lunchtime at 12 o'clock, so I don't snack at all. The lunch is usually a leftover meal from the night before, so usually it's a meat and veggies with whatever is left over. And... Um, when I come home, I uh, sometimes I'm, I'm naughty and I have a handful of nuts at about five o'clock when I'm cooking dinner. Um, so I, I don't advocate that, but sometimes it's hard to, to resist. And um, 
dinner again is um, meat and veggies. So sometimes it's uh, hamburgers. I don't eat the buns and then some lettuce and cheese and just the hamburger stuff. And um, meat and veggies mostly. So I would have a lamb, sometimes lamb cutlets or steak or sausages or um, bolognese with the, I get konjac noodles to go with the bolognese. So I've made it all routine now. It's quite automatic and it all the food's on rotation. Most of the time it's quick dinner because I get home 5 or 5.30 after work, pick get the kids up. So um, Sunday is usually a roast dinner. Then I have a roast beef or roast pork. And um, uh, the kids eat ro roast veggies. The kids have potatoes and corn and I usually have like cauliflower or um, broccoli with sauce. So I quite like that. So yeah, it's it's um pretty low carb usually. <laughs> yeah, plenty of variety in there as well. So thanks for sharing that. Where can people find information and follow your work? Yeah, so um I'm pretty active on, on social media. So you can follow me on Dr. Charlton Low Carb GP on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn and um uh, there's also Melbourne Low Carb Clinic is another um, uh, page on Facebook and Instagram. I'm also uh, on YouTube, so there's some videos on YouTube just uh, with the channel AV Charlton. Uh, my the, the clinic website is um, www.mlcclinic.com.au, and I post my the clinic information and uh, there's free ebook that i wrote a couple of weeks ago on low carb and uh, there's the free course that you can get a link to start the free e-course on my website and there's blog pages that i wrote about my cgm experiment that i've put on on my website and all the um, information on social media facebook and instagram as well yeah. yeah. I'll put all those up in the uh, show notes later on for people to click on it and follow your work. And our final question, Avi, if you could only offer one piece of advice for our listeners to lead healthier lives, what would that one piece of advice be? Um, I would say keep learning and keep an open mind. So when people tell you to, that something is uh a certain way like if you have diabetes you have to have medication keep an open mind there might be a different way if some if you're taught how to eat in a long in many many years your parents tell you you have to eat this you have to eat that keep an open mind that you don't have to so if you have um cereal for breakfast you don't have to have cereal breakfast you can keep an open mind and learn different ways that um, there's lots of different ways to do things. Like the dietary guidelines tell you you have to eat five grains and all the carbs and bread and long-acting grains. Keep an open mind and learn differently. So I think learning, the, the latest learning that I've had in the last few years have 
transformed my practice as a, a, a JP and transformed me as a person. And um, yeah, keep an open mind, learn different things. Keep learning and keep an open mind. Great That's advice. So, Avi, thank you so much for all the work you're doing. I know, you know, just personally as well, I've sent, you know, a few clients to you to help out with blood tests and, and get checks done and, you know, the feedback from them has been excellent. So thank you for, you know, helping those people out and great work on, you know, getting this low carb clinic started and all the work that you're doing and challenging yourself to keep learning. So thank you for your time today and, and well done for all the things that you're doing in the low carb space. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. Thanks for having me.